Hi, and welcome to the Fem Factor Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Laura. And Dr. Nicole. This is a place for women just like you, desiring to learn, be inspired, and find community. We'll be discussing everything from health, longevity, and aging, to mindset, high performance, and cycle syncing, to intuition and healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All from a lens that is based both upon the latest health research and feminine energetics. Blending equal parts scientific evidence and inner wisdom, we invite you to elevate your biology, empower your intuition, and embody your magic. Welcome, welcome back to Femme Factor Podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Nicole Marcioni, and I am so excited because today we are going to interview the other co-host and founder of the Femme Factor Podcast, Dr. Laura D. Ciceris. And I just want to say this woman is one of the most incredible women I've ever met. We met almost exactly two years ago in a mastermind. And I want to say it was just love at first sight. Um, we, <laughs> we had so much in common and just really meshed in um, how we see life and our love for health and our love for all things movement. And I just am, it's such an honor and a privilege for me to interview her today. Um, so with that, would you like to say anything, Dr. Laura, before I read your bio? Oh, just hello. And I'm happy to be here. And I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let me get ready for this incredible bio. Dr. Laura De Ciceris is an entrepreneurial health strategist and functional medicine certified practitioner through the Institute for Functional Medicine. Her doctoral program in chiropractic fostered a love of movement and biomechanics that she's carried through to her integrative health consulting company. She has a BA in biology with a concentration in genetics from Cornell University and holds an MS in applied clinical nutrition. Dr. Laura works with driven, ambitious women around the world, helping them to align their brain and body so they can sustain their high-performance life without burning out. Through a combination of mindset work, evidence-led integrative health strategies, and nervous system regulation, she's helped hundreds of women bring their creative visions to life while optimizing their health and resilience. You can find her contributions in outlets such as Forbes, NBC News, Greatest, Parade, Well and Good, and other publications. Dr. Laura is based out of Scottsdale, Arizona, but you can find her hitting the road with Corgi, with her Corgi Murray to spend time in Colorado in the summer months. That is so impressive. So Dr. Laura has an Ivy League education. She is um, just... Anything you could think of, hormone, body, brain, and high performance as it pertains to female and women um, identifying, she knows it 
she knows it all. I want to say maybe not all, maybe that's a little too much pressure, but she knows a lot and is like ready to help in whatever capacity she can. And, um, it's just such a, a privilege to be able to learn more about you, to learn more about your practice and how to help others. So what got you started? I mean, obviously you've always been interested since school anyways, been interested in the body and health, it seems, but can you tell us about, you know, how you got on this path, what was really inspirational and motivating for you and where you see this, this going? I, I actually thought I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was a kid. I'm not sure if that was like growing up in the Lisa Frank era with all the like sparkly dolphin stickers and everything in the 90s. I feel like a lot of women in their 30s all had this shared dream of being a marine biologist. Um, pretty much until I got to high school and I'm like, oh, what would I actually do with that? I don't, I don't know. For I me, love dolphins too. Sorry, I just have to say I live by the beach and almost all the time when I'm walking, I see dolphins and they just make me so happy. So maybe it's just because they're just happy beings and you are. So yeah, when I, I definitely always loved science though. Like I was the nerdy kid who had the crystal growing kit and the microscope toys while my friends got dolls and stuff like that. No shame in it. It is what it is. I was always, you know, bringing animals from outside back home, much to my poor mom's chagrin, but um <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school, I had this experience where my mom, her identical twin, and then my sister all got diagnosed with thyroid cancer, like one after the other. They, mm -hmm. they found it in my mom first, checked her twin, um, and then checked my sister and I, mine was fine. But, you know, I was around probably 16 at the time. And my brain was like, oh, that's really interesting that we're all related. And all three of the women who are probably closest to me from a genetic standpoint, have this problem, I wonder if there's something there. So I decided that I wanted to go to school to learn how to go and do cancer research. Mm -hmm. And I ended up choosing Cornell because I knew it had a strong research program. And it was just a very different experience than what I had growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania. I literally got a job in a research lab my first week. It was a lab in the veterinary college there that was dealing with genetics around like hypertension and cardiovascular disease. <laughs> Much like your experience after maybe a year or so in that lab, I worked there all four years in college, but I realized the research track was not for me. I did not love it. A lot of the PhD students there were not happy and were very open about it not making them happy. And I would have these moments where I was going to the lab at one in the morning to check on time sensitive things. And I was by myself and I'm like, this is not, <laughs> this is, it's fascinating. Like my brain loves the biochemistry, but this is not what I want in terms of how I interact with people every day. So I really didn't know what was next. I thought the next logical decision was, oh, I guess I'll go to medical school and work with people. Mm -hmm. And then to apply to medical schools and shadow different types of doctors, I, I still got this sense of unhappiness, of a high stress load, of not really having the time to spend with people um, in every doc. I still remember shadowing this one oncologist in Pittsburgh who was up at like up at four in the morning, home at eight, literally was doing notes on his computer almost the whole day. And he was so unhappy. And I was like, I don't think this is for me either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh oh. 
my mom at the time, while all this is going on, now I'm probably like a junior in college, like getting to the point where you you got to make a decision about what's coming next. Is it more school? Is it working? My mom at the time had been doing all sorts of what was then considered alternative medicine. I think it's gotten a lot more mainstream since I was a kid, but she was doing chiropractic and massage and Reiki and energy work and seeing naturopaths and I had really never gone along with her to any of those appointments, but I, I went home for a break towards the end of college at one point, And I was like, inevitably, like a lot of people in college, I would be stressed out all semester, go home for break and then be sick the whole break because your body's right. fine to like come down. My mom was like, you're coming with me. We're going to see the chiropractor. And I'm like, what's she going to do for my stomach problems and this and that? Uh, anyway, I went to see this woman who now I know she was also a functional medicine practitioner who knew everything about me by looking at me, by talking to me and by literally touching different parts of my body. Like she could tell That's about so my cool. gut, by reflex points on my hand. She knew I wasn't sleeping well. She knew all of these different things. And she ended up talking to me for well over an hour. And this woman is in her fifties. She loves going to work every day. This is fascinating. I feel so much better. I have all these other things I need to change to feel better now. I think I want to do this. And I literally applied to chiropractic school that weekend. Like, wow. Got to chiropractic school, understood. Okay. This woman obviously studied a lot of other things in addition to just. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was really, I was really fortunate enough to find a mentor at school who was also a functional medicine practitioner. Um, She also had happened to be a Cornell alumni. So we just hit it off right away. She was like, okay, I think you should also do, you know, a program in nutrition. I think you should start studying with Institute for Functional Medicine. And I did, I actually got my, my master's in nutrition and my chiropractic degree at the same time. And I was also doing, um, my courses with Institute for Functional Medicine because they had amazing student rates when you were still in school. So I, I didn't really have much of a life for three or four years there. No big deal. Just three <laughs> concurring degrees, basically. <laughs> But knowing who I am now as a a manifesting generator, Mm -hmm. this type of person, it was perfect for me because I got to study all of these different things that made me really happy and excited. And, you know, studying one kind of made sure I didn't burn out with another one. And for me personally, while that was all going on, much like the women in my family before me, I started having my own health issues, which turned out to be Hashimoto's thyroiditis, probably brought on by the stress of undergrad and not understanding what my body needed. So while I was learning all of this in chiropractic school and and my nutrition program, I I got to apply it directly to myself and it changed changed my life. I, I really haven't had thyroid issues since I've been able to keep that in remission. I still have my thyroid, which, you know, when I went to doctors in high school and they were like, yo, you'll probably have this too one day, knock on wood, we're still here. So um, it was really, I think, important and crucial for me to be able to apply it to myself as I learned it, because that made the experience so much deeper than just reading the books and studying. Like I actually got to see how it, how it changed. So yeah, I, I graduated from all of those programs. And then I, I worked at a great practice in the greater New York City area as a contractor. Um, got to learn a whole lot about being in a wellness center with a lots of different practitioners. But um, also, you know, after doing that for a couple of years, decided I wanted something a little different, a little deeper, something that 
gave me back one thing that I had not had for a long time, which was time to do the things that I loved, you know, being in all those school programs together, then going and, and, and working for someone else. My, my time still really wasn't my own. And as I, I started to inch closer to 30, I, I really started feeling that I couldn't even see how it was possible to experience other things in life, doing things the way that I was if that makes sense. Yeah. Was so, there a, oh, sorry. Um, was no. there a catalyst for that or just kind of was something that happened over time, realizing that you didn't have time for yourself? Yeah, I definitely had started feeling it. And at the time, wasn't really sure what steps to take. Like there's also something when you, you work so hard on building up a practice, a client base, and you finally reach that point where you're like, wow, I, I actually did it. I did all that stuff in school and I applied it. And now I have a successful practice and it can be very scary to think about, okay, now I have to stop doing it and do something different so that I can have all these other parts of life. So I think the universe had a little bit of an intervention for me. Um, I had two things happen. First, physically, I definitely started experiencing burnout for the first time. This was before I got into like high performance health and really understanding that. So Having that as a personal experience pretty much solidified I was going to help women through that in the future, much like most of us share our own experiences. And I also went through a really terrible breakup with the person I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Not like a simple breakup where it's like, oh, we're just not not on the same page anymore. It was life altering. You wouldn't believe it. Lifetime movie-ish drama without going into more details. So it forced me in a lot of ways to completely shift my life for a lot of reasons. Another thing that came out of that, that breakup, that experience was I actually got hit with another autoimmune diagnosis and it happened so quickly following that emotional stressor, mm. doing everything right, nutritionally exercise from the outside looking in. I was doing like, oh, look at her. She's crushing it inside. I clearly was not, I was not handling stress. Well, I was not acknowledging emotions, uh, things that we talked about in your interview last time. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with lupus really fast out of nowhere. And I firmly, firmly know in my heart that came from emotional stress, a physical manifestation of emotional stress, um, for anyone who's into energy work the kidneys, which is one of the main organs impacted by lupus, um, it tends to be associated with the emotion of fear. And looking back, fear was a big part of my life then, fear of, of changing, you know, things that were supposedly working, fear of wanting something more for myself, fear of the unknown. So um, that for me was life-changing in a good way, actually. You can look back after those horrible experiences that you don't think you're ever going to be able to pull yourself out of and say, literally, that is the best thing that ever happened to me. Because for me, it opened up <clears throat> this whole other world of what it truly means to live a, a healthy, well, and happy life. And really, that's kind of, I, I don't know if that hadn't happened, if I would have had these experiences that led you and I to create the Fem Factor and the Fem Factor, you know, whatever, whatever else it evolves into for that reason, because I was so stuck in like the protocols and the science. And I was so successful with that for so long. Um, I think the universe wanted to teach me that there was more, think bigger. Um, and really that led into the creation of what I work with now with women is 
a, a fairly fully virtual business helping women with, yes, all of the good functional medicine strategies that I learned to help me out of physical symptoms, but also blending them with, all right, now how do we look at stress? How do we look at our relationships? How do we look at our emotional regulation and our nervous system? How do we look at this life that we want to live, especially if it is this high performance life, and make sure we're actually fully present for it, showing up for it and enjoying it, um, which for me is a lot more fun than just giving supplement and diet recommendations, much like your experience. <laughs> like, for me, I would just have to do labs and supplements forever. I'd be like, oh, that sounds not not the way I want to to work with people. So now I get to take I get to take experiences that I would never wish on another woman anywhere, but I get to use what I learned from it to, to really help women live a fuller life. So that's the long story of how I got to where I am now. That's incredible. Two, two things. Well, maybe three things. Um, one, when you just talked about how kidneys in, in, um, traditional Chinese medicine, connect to fears and how kidneys are also the main organ and lupus, which I didn't know about. So thank you for that. That just gave me full body chills and like this sensation in my gut. Like this was just such an important time, right. Or, uh, inflection point, I guess you might say in, in, in your life for getting to where you are now. And then two, I have a mentor who, and I just, I love, what she says, she says she doesn't believe everything happens for a reason, especially when it's when the really bad things that happen in our life. However, she says they're never wasted. Right. And so so even the things that happen to us that made us feel like we couldn't go on when we make it through and survive, those experiences are not wasted or they don't have to be wasted. Like we can turn them into a powerful motivation to help others, to help ourselves, all of these things. So I just, I love that because sometimes people will be like, well, everything happens for a reason. And that just doesn't feel good. If you knew what I went through, like, I don't know what the fucking reason that was, but excuse my language, (laughs) but I can see those experiences happened and they were terrible while they happened. And yet now I can use them to create um, a more powerful life, to create more impact, to help others not, like you just said, not have to go through those same things if, if possible. And so can you tell us a little bit more, because I feel like this is your secret sauce and uh, about how, so both Dr. Laura and I are interested in what is called biohacking, however, which is basically how can we do certain activities or incorporate certain behaviors in order to change our epigenetics, our biology, our, how our cells work, how our body works in order to become more productive, have higher performance, all of these things. But that term biohacking, like is just who wants to hack anything, right? If you're called to hack, that's not good. If you hack at something, like you would never go to a surgeon who was a hack. You want to go to a surgeon who is like very exacting and sophisticated. And so I feel like Dr. Laura has taken biohacking and really 
turned it on its head in a way of, of more, as you like to say, bio elevation um, and using those tools, but in a way that is more uh, driven by energy and it, what we might call feminine energetics or a little bit less of the, of the hard masculine hacking into your system to change things. So can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like that needs to get more attention and, in, in all the, in all the, I don't know what I noise that is out there on biohacking, especially coming from loud men. It is biohacking is a very, it's a masculine word. It's a, an aggressive word. And it is definitely, it is a fairly male dominated area of health and wellness. I do think there's some more awareness coming to a lot of the men at the forefront of this field that biohacking for women needs to be different. But really, for those of you who don't even know what biohacking is, it very simply is a set of practices that help your body work better the way it was intended to. I, you know, this whole this whole area of high performance of biohacking, it, it really is just like stepping into your full potential is a very easy way of saying this. But in, in my mind, it's just, it is elevating the ability, the power that you already have in every cell of your body to be present every day. So it, it's letting you step into that that higher self, that better version of yourself with your physiology every single day. To me, that feels a lot better than me having to hack or shortcut things to do better, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've met a lot of women who they like the idea of biohacking, but something in the way it's presented, it can be a very intense area. Um, there can be a lot of judgment in it. Um, and and it, it can be a little intimidating, but I, I really don't want it to be that way. And there are some incredible women in this field who are just bringing this awareness that as women, we, we need to look at it a little bit differently because our physiology is so different than that of a man, right? Men, same creatures every 24 hours for better or worse, at least from a biochemistry standpoint. Women, we are constantly in flux. We're constantly changing. And we know that we also have differences compared to men in, you know, how our brain functions, how we handle and perceive stress, the the kind of learned habits that we've carried with us through generations. And I think if we're going to do biohacking right, or bioelevation, as I like to call it, we need to bring all of those into account. And when we look at tools like the sauna, like cold plunges, like intermittent fasting, instead of just turning them into protocols and this is timely because it's the 2nd of January and I already see it a lot on social media of here's my January resolution. I'm fasting every day. I'm red lighting every day. Sauna, da, 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 da. It becomes a giant to-do list that may have a good intention in our mind, but unintentionally is stressing our body out more so that we don't get the results we want. And I've seen a lot of women, unfortunately, biohack their ways right into hormonal dysfunction, hair loss, all these other issues, when the reality is it should be helping us to do the opposite. It should be helping us to sleep better, to feel better, to focus better, to, to, to get the body composition re results that we want you know, more easily. So it, it's looking at this lens of, okay, well, how do we do this as women from both a protocol standpoint, but also the intention and understanding of it, that it's, it's not meant to be a restrictive tool, like a diet it's meant to be something that feels really, really good. 
something that helps us be better versions of ourselves, not just for ourselves, but also for the people around us. You know, it helps us model that behavior to others in a way that is not crazy, intense, and restrictive and unhealthy. It's a way of, oh, she's like a really happy, harmonious, loving human being. And she does these things to help support that a little bit. And I know for me personally, it's been a huge part of my healing journey and just making sure that I keep my health in tip-top shape despite having these diagnoses in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes this so special in your approach is that it's, it is approachable, not to say the same word, but it, it, it is approachable and not intimidating. It is nourishing and not punitive. I feel like so many of these things become punishing, especially if we do it in a way that's like, I have 18 things to do before 8am in order to be quote unquote, the best I can be. And then nobody in their right 99% of the population, it would be impossible to do all those things. So then when we don't do them, because we know who you are listening, you're all driven, highly driven go-getters like we are. And it does not feel good when you can't cross something off your list. So then it starts to become a punish, like punishing ourselves because we didn't do it all. And so instead of punishing ourselves, you know, how do we use these to nourish and like uplift and buttress? I don't know. That's a word I've been using lately. I just love that word. Like these things are to buttress our best life, not to just add, I feel like more rocks. I think of like a person carrying or pushing a cart full of boulders and like, you don't want these techniques to just add another boulder that you have to push up a hill. It should be something that takes a boulder off so that you have more energy to push that the things we have to push up the hill. And so I just, I love your approach to that. Yeah. And it's, it's the long game with these tools, right? Like I think a lot of people approach biohacking and they're like, I'm going to do all of this stuff for a month and feel amazing. And then a month goes by and they're like, wow, either I didn't do half of that or I don't feel any different or I feel worse. Like they're not meant to be these short-term interventions to like catapult you into being a completely different human being. It's meant to be the long game, things that you can implement for your life. I don't ever see myself not doing red light therapy and not using fasting a couple times a year as this incredible tool to reset my body. It's not about a short-term gain or loss for me. It's about what it does for me in the long run and who it helps me be in the long run. And that little, these little mindset shifts around different health tools are the hardest step for most women. And it's the step that most women skip. They go Mm. right. And we really, we have to set ourselves up for success with those by getting ourselves in the right place mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And I think that just goes along with how most of us live our lives right now, it's so much easier for you to tell me these are the 12 steps to do. Okay. I can do them. Like I know I can do that, or at least I can try as opposed to like what we talked about when you interviewed me and like really knowing what your body needs at the moment and taking that time that that's a lot more effort, if you will, than someone handing you these five steps 
And sometimes we need the five steps yeah, for sure. But then it's, it's almost like, you know, you need to know the rules to then break the rules. And I feel like that's the, the part we're at, like, here are the five steps. Here are the five rules you may say, but actually once we get more sophisticated and I'm going to help you learn how to become more sophisticated, you're going to realize those five rules aren't always, you know, pertaining to you, or you can, you can pick and choose which of those you want to use based on what you need today. When I, I'm laughing because when I create biohacking strategies for all of my clients, there's always this section that says, this is your toolbox, but here's your five top non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that, that's the little checklist to start with. And it's usually really simple things that most of us tend to skip over when we're busy, when we have a thousand different things on our plates. But if you can stick to those five simple things for 30, 60 days, you become much more capable of looking at all of these other incredible tools you can do for your health. You can look at them in a different way and start to understand better. Oh, well, here's here's how I can use these and when I can use these. And those little five steps were really great at getting me here, but now it, it's not quite enough to get me to where I want to be, or I, I don't need number four as much anymore. But it it mentally lets you get to the point where you can start shifting your perception of of all of the different things related to your health and what health actually means. Mm. Yeah, because that's different for every single person and it changes all the time for what we are going through. Um, And I love the word and you and I both use this a lot and it's a toolbox because, you know, you need the right tool to do the job at hand. And so you can't just have in your toolbox a hammer and expect to get everything you need to do around the house done. Just like you can't think of, okay, I'm just going to do this. I have this one tool, this one habit, which we can do a whole nother episode on because I, I don't like the word habit or routine just because it's very automatic and not intentional. So like I have this habit and it's a good habit, but that might not be the habit that you need today, right? So if we have a toolbox full of various tools, just like you would at home with your screwdriver and your scissors and your wrench and all the tools, literal tools, we can create a toolbox for what we need. And then based upon that day, pick the right tool. So I don't know if you want to talk more on toolbox, but I just, I'd love that both of us use that. Yeah. And I love that idea. And also understanding that your toolbox is subject to upgrades and ditching tools that no longer serve you at, at any time. Um, It doesn't always have to be the same thing. And I think as women understanding and welcoming this concept that really, as we go through each decade of life, that toolbox has to change. And there's some things that we have to leave behind to to really live our best life. I know I'm turning 35 this year, which is not old by any means, but my toolbox at 35 looks very different than my toolbox at 25. And there are some tools that I left in my 20-something toolbox, and I know they are not made to come with me over the next (laughs) couple decades of my life. And I'm also trying new things that 
feel a little uncomfortable. Maybe they're less intense than things I used to like and enjoy, but they're really important for me. And that is very difficult. I know at least some of you listening to this are, are very driven, high achieving people. Maybe you're like me and your favorite workouts are lifting heavy weights and punching bags and kickboxing. I also know my toolbox has to include things like yoga and Reiki and energy work and sound healing and things that really force me to be a little more still. Um, whereas when I was in my twenties, I could probably get away without so much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's a much, it has a much bigger section of my toolbox. So that's actually been really fun for me is to, to figure out well, what do I actually need now? Because now it looks very different and I'm actually much more efficient with my time in a lot of ways by using a lot of these things we've talked talked about. And it's all started with this concept that you and I talked about in your interview, which is of taking the time to drop into my body and feel what I need and make decisions accordingly based on these tools that I've learned. Yeah, I love, um, I love that. And two things that you said that were so striking to me. One was that getting into more discomfort was by doing less intensive things. So most of the time we think of something being uncomfortable because it's more intense or harder or difficult. But sometimes if we're constantly living in that high intensity, it's uncomfortable to chill out a little. Usually we think of it in the other terms, like maybe someone's super comfortable because they're not really doing much and just going along with life and don't push themselves. And so we're asking someone to push themselves more and that's uncomfortable or causes discomfort. I think a lot of times we see it in that direction, but for someone who is always pushing themselves to the edge and sometimes going over that edge, which then leads to disease or breakdown or burnout, the uncomfortable thing, the growth is actually slowing down and doing things less intensely. And I I feel like that is just mic drop powerful takeaway from, from this discussion. I mean, it's all been amazing, but that was just like, whoo, really, really hit me. Um, yeah. And then I forgot the second thing I was going to say, because <laughs> it was yeah. so good. I'm sure it'll be, that's something that I'm still leaning into, but it, it's also opened all of these other experiences like, oh, well, what if, what if now when I traveled, I didn't make an itinerary and I just decided to show up and be present and see what felt good each day. And, and I didn't plan a bunch of things to do all day. I just felt what I need or instead of having these same journal prompts I do every morning, what if I just write five minutes of whatever comes to my mind? And, you know, I'm not trying to do things more intensely. Oh, how can I take this up a notch, right? Like, oh, how can I deadlift 350 this year? Oh, <laughs> Maybe, maybe actually what I need to do is take the weight off and make sure my form is really good as, as I get a little bit older, like maybe I need to slow down and do that, even though that's not quite as fun for me, it's really important. So, so that's kind of been the eye-opening experience for me, really, especially the last year or two. And it is definitely challenging. I'm definitely the person who is 
I am wired to say, how can I rest more productively? Like, how can I make this time <laughs> as productive as possible? Um, and sometimes I have my ways of doing that. Maybe I'll get an IV if I'm feeling a little drained after traveling or I'll pop my red light on. But really what I've learned is the most productive rest is teaching myself how to rest, teaching my brain how to rest and giving it that break from constantly analyzing everything. And it's definitely the most challenging thing that I've I've ever tried to learn for sure. Yeah. And maybe it's even radical thinking to say that rest is productivity, right? Like that is being productive because it's going to allow you to catapult into whatever is next. So I I feel like we're all about revolutionizing thought and being radical in our thoughts. So what if like rest was the productive thing to do as opposed to what to do productively while you rest, but, but yeah, baby steps for sure. Um, The other thing I, it came back to me because you were saying how there's some tools you're, you're leaving behind and like that it's okay that these tools that worked for you at one time, no longer work. And that's okay. And I, I'm sure with women you work with, like I hear so much of the time, oh, but this has always worked for me. I've always done this, whether it's like, I've always eaten this way. I've always been vegan or I've always been keto or paleo. So, you know, and it's like, well, maybe it's time that we need to change and reconsider, or I've always done this type of workout. I don't know why my body is reacting this way because I've always done it, or I've always done things a certain way. And so we get stuck in these routines or habits, and yet our bodies are constantly changing, whether it's through a 28 day cycle with our, you know, um, having our period, or maybe it's we're in perimenopause. And so that cycle isn't so regular, or maybe it's even menopause where eventually that cycle's completely gone. And so being open and adaptable is really another huge thing. I think that we help women being, and, 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 and curious, actually, that's my word for 2023 curiosity, like to be curious about what else could be available, what else could happen? I feel so strongly about this conversation. It's been on my mind a lot lately. I feel like we've been in an era of several years of people feeling very triggered when a lifestyle that is different than theirs is suggested to be just as good as, if not better. And there's a tendency to pull back and go to Google and say, well, the data says, the studies say, the evidence says. <laughs> and the reality is, I, I don't think people understand, and I know you get this, how difficult it is to control a lot of things related to health in a laboratory setting, or the amount of time it takes for these studies to come out. So a lot of the time, what we're reading in, in data from studies is, is already outdated by the time it's published. But this, this concept of instead being curious and changing your toolbox and Really being willing, I think this goes back to that conversation around what's comfortable and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. being comfortable with being uncomfortable, meaning, meaning, are you willing to run an N of one experiment, meaning it's just you and try things that scare you, that feel different, that feel uncomfortable. I have tried everything in the book just to see how it's impacted me. 
I've tried being vegan. I've done the carnivore diet. I've done keto. I've done low fat. I've done fasting. I've done intuitive eating. And really what I've learned from all of these are they're just tools. And we know that, you know, look, like you mentioned, our hormones are always changing. Our gut is also changing from the food we eat, from the food, what's on the food we eat, from our environment, from our state when we eat it, all of these different things. It's okay for you to play around with changing things. And I know it can feel uncomfortable when a way of eating or a way of working out always works for you. And all of a sudden it feels like overnight it's changed and it no longer works. But to me, this comes back to cueing into your body. Your body's trying to tell you, this is not the way anymore for me. I need something a little bit different. And being willing to say, all right, well, let me try let me try something new. And maybe you do have to hire a coach or some help to help you through that transition. But being willing to try something new, something uncomfortable, something different in the pursuit of doing what's best for your body, that does require some curiosity. It requires some courage as well. And uh, it requires unlearning a lot of things. You know, I I think back to growing up and seeing a lot of the adult women in my life. That was like the, the slim fast era and everything else. And like fat free, we all had to unlearn that. Like we know now that that is not a good thing for, for anybody long-term, but at the time that was all people knew. So, you know, what we know today about nutrition, about diet, about lifestyle, 10 years from now, it might be totally different Mm -hmm. because our world is also going to be totally different. So I would encourage women to approach more of, like you said, a curiosity around this and a willingness to put your blinders on, stay in your lane, ignore all of the noise on social media about what's best, who's doing this. People get very tribal about their nutrition and figure out what you need to make you feel really good. And instead of just focusing on something like the scale and your body weight, How do you feel every day? Do you have good energy, good mood? Are you sleeping well? Are you able to feel happy and the full spectrum of emotions? Like use those as your variables in these end of one experiments. Yes. Yes. So, so good. So how, how can people, well, two things. One, if someone's just starting out with this, what do you recommend? Like, is there any, especially maybe in terms of bio hacking or elevating? And then two, where, what do you have going on right now? I know you have a program if you want to tell us about it. Yeah. So my suggestion when women say like, where do I start first with the biohacks? My suggestion is always this first is to do a little self-check and can you answer these three questions? Are you, do you, do you have a good sleep system in place, meaning like consistent sleep as best you can. Are you eating mostly real food and getting a decent amount of protein in every day? And number three, what is your relationship like to stress? Meaning how do you think you can handle it? Do you view it as like your nemesis? Do you feel like you respond really poorly to it? Those three things really, really need to have a pretty good strength foundation before you move into all the fancy biohacking stuff. Can biohacking help with some of them? Sure. But you're going to get a lot more out of it if you're sleeping, if you're eating real food and enough food, and if you have a healthier relationship with stress, meaning you know it's going to come and it's going to go, but 
it, it doesn't, you know, cause you to, to crumble every time you experience it. Um, then you can start playing around with, with all the different tools and figuring out, okay, I'm pretty good on the sleep and nutrition, but stress is the problem. Now, you know, as you go into biohacking, you want to focus on things that improve your resilience, that improve your stress response without inherently adding more stress to your life. Um, so that intention really matters, I think, in terms of that. And um, yeah, I have a lot of changes going on right now in my business. I've been primarily one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting until now, but this week I am opening in true <laughs> manifesting generator style, a uh, choose your own adventure health vault. It's called her wellness vault. And I basically, you come into it, you go through my flagship health and high performance foundation program, power 45. And then you get to pick your own adventure inside. So maybe you wanted to learn more about biohacking. Maybe you want to go down the longevity and aging track. Maybe you want to dive deep into hormones and cycle syncing and getting rid of PMS. You can go down each track and do like your own little self-led journey with weekly support from me. So that's really what I'm going to be bringing out more this year to provide a little more support and community to women who are like, well, I kind of want to learn some of this on my own. And I have a lot of things I want to learn. So I want it to be, you know, I, I want to pick what I study first versus showing up in like a group coaching program. So I'm really excited about, about that. And I, uh, fingers crossed for technology that should be opening later tonight. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I can't wait to hear all about it and the launch and, um, yeah. How do people reach out to you to find out more or where, where do you like to connect? Yeah. Instagram is probably easiest. Uh, my handle is dr.lauradecessoris. Um, that's me where I am most of the time, or you can send me a note on my website, which is drlauradecessoris.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as usual, I love hearing from you, all of your little nuggets. Um, I learned actually a lot, not, I shouldn't say actually, but I mean, I learned a lot, even just from this interview, like we weren't even using these interviews to teach. It was more, oh, it was more just to get to know one another, but I feel like we also were able to learn how to really nourish ourselves more to embrace that fem factor to, um, just get to know, a little bit more about your specialties, your goodness, the magic that you have when it comes to bringing in more health and wellness in an approachable way. So thank you so much for this interview. And I'm just so excited to see where all this leads to. Likewise. Thank you. And um, yeah, until next time, everyone. This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It should not be considered medical advice and or treatment. Although we are both doctors, we are not medical doctors or your medical doctor. What has been discussed should not take the place of your personal medical professional's advice, treatment, diagnosis, or care. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please take the time to subscribe, share, rate and review. And we'd love if you would follow us over on Instagram. Our handles are at dr.lauradecessoris and at Dr. Nicole Marcioni, or you can just click on the links in our show notes.